Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the laughter. <laughs> the heroes. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters. And the honesty. What's up, Norm? My nipples. It's freezing out there. <laughs> because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears with TampaBay.com. And today, our interview with Ice Cube. Ice Cube, take the motherfucking stand. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help your black ass? You goddamn right. Sean Daly will be here a little later with the Seggies, but in the meantime, to guide me through the sensitive topic of gangsta rap, Times TV and media critic Eric Dagens. Yo, 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 what's up, Steve AB? What's up? There's nobody I would rather have in that chair to talk about Ice Cube and NWA than the Grandmaster himself. Oh, you are you are you are too kind, man. But I gotta say, I did indeed come of age with Ice Cube and the boys, so I feel a, a certain kindred spirit uh, with the man who uh, penned the inimitable words "F the police." The police coming straight from the underground. A young got it bad because I'm brown and not the other color. So police. Great. So I so NWA comes around in the late eighties, right? They form yep. in uh, nineteen eighty six. Tell me tell me a little about the history of the band. Well, what what was interesting about NWA from my perspective was that uh before they really got big, uh rap was about parties. Rap was about hanging out at uh, you know, the block party and having a good time. It was rapper's delight. Every so often somebody would drop something serious like the message, but it was mostly about fun and going to the club and getting laid and all of that. So I am, uh, washing, uh, my car with this guy who was a DJ and a born again, uh, Christian. I, I don't know how you put those two together, but, um, he slips me this tape and he says, you got to check out this group, NWA. And I ask him, what does that stand for? Now, I, I assume I can say the name yeah. without getting bleeped, but niggas with attitude, right? Niggas with attitude. Okay, I got to check this out. And so, um, so I put the tape in my, in my car driving home, and I hear this song. Uh, here's a little story about a nigga like me. Never should have been let out to penitentiary. Ice Cube, I'm around the way because I'm a crazy mf from around the way. And I was like, what? You know, where did this come from? I mean, these cats were, A, talking about stuff that was going down in people's neighborhoods as they were living, stuff that I think people outside the black community were not that aware of, and B, they were talking the way the brothers talked on the, on the street corner. And, and those two things were very exciting because we weren't hearing that on radio uh, or records at the time. Now, there was a lot of other crazy stuff that was kind of wrapped up in there, you know, uh, talking about killing police, 
the way they talked about women. You know, there was a lot of troubling stuff in there, too. But the energy and the excitement and the reality of what they were about really affected me uh, and affected a lot of people. And it energized, I think, uh, rap music in ways that were both good and bad. So uh, so it was it was just it was amazing to, to hear these young cats uh, coming out of uh, California with this sound. Do they, do they get a bad rap, no pun intended, for, for songs like <laughs> F the Police and Black Korea? Well, you know, uh, no, I, I don't think they get a bad rap. I, I, I think it is hard to deal with art that is both uh, groundbreaking and has a lot of negativity wrapped up inside of it. And I think that's something that we have struggled with with rap music uh, since the days of N.W.A. You know, we on the one hand, there's this incredible energy and there's all this great creative spirit. And, and on the other hand, there's a lot of sort of pathology that is wrapped up in these lyrics. And, and you know, basically, like, if, if, if you don't get a chance to express yourself, for a long time, and then somebody sort of uh, takes the bonds, takes the chains off, and lets you open up, and you just say everything that's on your mind. You're arguing with somebody, and you just let it all out. Then some of the things you say are are going to be things that you wish you could take back. Some of the things that you say are going to be things that are harmful and negative. And, and I think that's kind of what happened with N.W.A. and with gangster rap. And then when people saw they could make money from it. Uh, that made it even worse. So I, I, I definitely think you should look at NWA and, and criticize them for some of the things that they said. But at the same time, you can't deny the creative spirit that came out of that. And, you know, I, I remember having a conversation with this uh, great jazz bassist, Jeff Berlin. He actually lives in Clearwater, but he's a nationally known bass player. And he doesn't like rap music. And I dig that. That's cool. Uh, but I said to him, you know, what rap does is it allows people who are musically creative, uh, but not musicians to express themselves. And, and so rather than looking at it as a bunch of people who, who don't, who aren't good at music trying to make music, what it is is it's people who have a lot of musicality, but don't necessarily have the skills on an instrument, uh, to express that. So they choose to do it, uh, through rap. And, and, and I think Ice Cube is like a perfect example of that. Now, Ice Cube is probably maybe the best known member of the band, but there's a lot of yeah. other big names there. Oh, definitely, man. Uh, you know, one that's known from rap folks is, is Easy E, who was sort of, uh, he took over as, uh, the main voice of the band when Ice Cube left right after Straight Outta Compton came out. And, and he, unfortunately, is also well known for being somebody who had a lot of personal problems and, and died of AIDS, um, um, you know, uh, you know, not too many years after the, after the group, uh, broke up. Uh, but, you know, he, he was the guy who seemed to be most, uh, um, tethered to the streets. He seemed to have the hardest time shaking that street life that all those guys came from. Uh, and then, uh, you also had, uh, the, the DOC, uh, who was part of that group. Um, you know, one of, one of the producers and, and lyricists who's also, uh, you know, he had a bit of a career after NWA, but, but Ice Cube was the biggest name and he struck out on his own pretty much right after Straight Outta Compton came out. Now, here's, here's my question. I, I was listening to this album earlier today. There's, there's literally not five seconds of, of any song by N.W.A. that I could play on the podcast. I can't wait to hear how you're going to do this. Man. I, I, I'm amazed that I thought of two, lyric, two lines of lyrics I know. that you could say. And so how in the hell did these they, – they didn't, they didn't play on the radio, obviously. No, I don't think they played on – I don't remember them playing on the radio. It, it was mostly an underground thing. And, and what was happening, too, at that time was that rap was just starting to cross over – to white, young white people, 
You know, right around that time, I mean, you'll you'll remember uh, before that we had uh, the Beastie Boys, License to Ill, and that kind of primed, I think, you know, young white listeners to 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 be ready uh, to check out uh, a rap band. And then a, a few years later, we had Straight Outta Compton come out, and it was, I mean, you you heard how I heard about it. I mean, a friend gave me a tape and said, you should check this out. And then once I checked it out, uh, I was in a band, and I I slipped it to everybody that was in the band, and they checked it out, and of course, you know, it just grew from there. So I, I think a lot of it was word f- from word of mouth, and you had all these uh, young, white listeners who were ready to hear this. They wanted to hear uh, something that was rooted in black culture, that was telling them about something that they weren't that aware of, something that was new and exciting, and also very rebellious and very in-your-face and, and very powerful. And so, um, you know, when when uh, N.W.A. released its first full record after um, Straight Outta Compton, uh, it became the first rap record to go gold uh, the first day it was released, and it became the first rap record to top Billboard's uh, uh, 200. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now, you know, that is, is nothing. You know, now it doesn't seem that unusual. But back then, I mean, you know, we, we weren't that far from, we were only a few years from when MTV wouldn't play videos with black people in them. Right. So, you know, this, this was an amazing uh, Well, and MTV, I think, banned a couple of their videos as well yeah well you know uh, that's that's when the whole parental advisory sticker thing came out and you know everybody was worried about you know having records with a lot of cursing on them i mean it all sounds very quaint right right now but uh uh it it was a big deal uh back then to have a record that had so much language on it i mean we can't even play it now (laughs) so (laughs) you know uh but but the main thing about it was that you know we had this also happened uh if you remember john singleton we we had we had uh this little um, um, bulge of black directors who were doing films about uh, segments of the black community that you didn't hear from that much. We had John Singleton doing Boys in the Hood that Ice Cube was also in. Uh, we we had Maddie Rich doing uh, Inkwell. Um, Spike Lee uh, had uh, had to do the right thing, you know. Um, and and then NWA came out, and they were sort of like you know, Public Enemy was kind of in your face, but they were very they were kind of political and kind of intellectual. And and NWA came out, and they were like the boys on the corner. <laughs> they were the cats that were in your face, and they weren't talking about anything that was in a book. <laughs> so you know, they were sort of the polar opposites of, of of Public Enemy in a way, and and uh, and that's why I think it was so popular. And and I'll give you one more like really geeky intellectual thing that happened but you know um i was a music critic around this time and the music industry started a new way of keeping track of how records get sold they started this thing called sound scan in the early 90s actually and uh the way it works is that when you buy a record or a cd now um they scan the the the, the code on the on the cd to put it in the register and that also tabulates somewhere in a, in a computer database so you know uh it used to be the record store owners would just write in a book what they sold so of course the record companies would pay these managers of record stores to overestimate what they what they sold. So that's why I think, for example, there's no way Michael Jackson sold 60 million copies of Thriller. That what 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 I mean, he sold a lot of copies, but what happened was they went out and they paid a bunch of people to inflate the numbers. But um, uh, but what happened was we had this computer system start, and all of a sudden we saw what people were actually buying. And guess what popped? Country music and rap. And 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 um, El Phil Forzagan, the NWA uh, record right after Straight Outta Compton, came out right when that happened, and it was a major. It was explosive. Wow! Amazing. Yeah. 
Lot of, I'm dropping a lot of know, knowledge, I'm, man. I'm I, dropping a lot of knowledge. I, I'm so not used to this. I'm so used to like just you know Daly sitting there giving me the trouser <laughs> humor. And now, well, so I, I love my man Daly. I love me some Sean, man. But you know, I, I I've been in the game a little bit longer, so I got a little I got a little <laughs> learning I can drop on. So so Ice Cube leaves um, in the late '80s. What has he been up to since then? I mean, I, obviously Boys in the Hood. Everyone knows him from that. Yeah, you know, well when you when you hear this 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 interview, you're going to hear me accusing him of turning into Tyler Perry. And that you know, thank God it wasn't an in person interview because he probably would have across the table and smack me but uh but really he has he's become this guy he started out um um the first you know solo artist and then uh, acting and uh, you know boys in the hood and later um the john singleton movie higher learning you know we talked about that yeah, great movie. um you know he he got kind of his acting chops together and then he started in that movie um triple x you know the um the sequel to the vin diesel movie he played triple he, he played a new version of triple x and uh, then he starred in um, this Are We There Yet? This family comedy, right? Um, you know, all black, black-centered family comedy that did well enough uh, that now he was able to take that and develop it and turn it into a sitcom uh, for TBS. So what um, Ice Cube has been doing is he uh, has developed a multi-platform strategy for, uh, you know, the modern media age. I mean, he is an actor. He appears in the first um, episode of Are We There Yet? He's uh, a producer. You know, uh, he's uh, uh, he's doing films. He did a documentary for ESPN. I saw it the other night. Yeah, yeah. You Unbelievable. Know, about the Raiders. So Straight out uh, of L.A. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, he has taken his brand and he's putting it on a lot of different platforms and he's retaining control. You know, you'll hear when the interview plays that I ask him about this and he said, you know, he was on the set of um, uh, one of the movies and decided that he wanted – to do that. He wanted to be the guy who was controlling everything. He wanted to be the guy who was deciding what story to tell. And he's become that guy. And and what's really interesting to me is that you look at him and you look at uh, uh, Ice-T, and these are guys who started out their careers with F the police and the world sucks and turn everything over and, and burn everything. You know, Ice-T did Cop Killer. And now Ice-T is playing a cop on TV. <laughs> and Ice Cube is producing family comedies and a family sitcom. I mean, it, it is amazing how much these guys' worlds have, have changed uh, from, from the 80s when they, they were both starting their careers. And as, and as Ice Cube says, it's not so much that he's changed, it's that the world has changed too, and well, it's not the same world that it was in that late well, 80s. Well, you know, I think in the 80s, there, there, there was a certain way that Ice Cube could make money, and it was by utilizing his skills as a lyricist and what he knew about... Uh, ghetto life, right? And now, you know, he's a much more experienced and evolved, and 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 uh, he's a different talent. Right. So the way he can make money now is different than the way he made money back then. Uh, I I don't know that that means the world has changed as much as it means that he has changed and he's figured out new ways to make uh, money to go beyond what he did when he was a kid. I mean, like he said, you know, if he was doing the same things now that he was doing 20 years ago, something would be wrong with him. And I understand that. But but at the core, it's about making money and making an impact and having a career. And he is a guy who has always been smart about that, even though people underestimate him because he started out as a rapper. So the name of his new show on TBS is... Are We There Yet? And it premieres on June 2nd. Uh, at, I believe, 9 o'clock on Excellent. TBS. Excellent. And what's interesting about this, like TBS, in a weird way, has become 
the the diverse entertainment uh, cable channel that BET never could could be. <laughs> you know, TBS has two uh, sitcoms from uh, Tyler Perry, um, the guy who's renowned for making money uh, by creating black centered films about families uh, that that young that older middle aged black women flock to. Well, you know, Tyler Perry created two shows for TBS. Uh, that have really taken off and are amongst uh, the highest-rated shows um, uh, on cable, and certainly the highest-rated shows featuring black people. And and so now Ice Cube has got another show featuring Terry Crews. You may remember him as the guy who played um, Chris's dad on Everybody Hates Chris. Oh sure. Yeah. And he's a he's a former um, NFL player, and he was the bad guy in that uh, in that uh, that movie Gamer. I don't know if you remember that, but you know, an, an awful B movie, but uh, but he was good in it, and uh, so now he's he he is a funny cat if you've seen him on Everybody Hates Chris, and so now he is um, this dad who is marrying a woman who already has kids, and it's a family comedy, um, and uh, you know, Ice Cube basically took this movie that he was in and kind of tweaked the concept and turned it into a sitcom. I will be honest with you, as you were here during the interview, I, I tried to be polite in suggesting to Ice Cube that perhaps this sitcom kind of sucked. <laughs> and I think he understood what I was getting at, uh, although he couldn't obviously admit that it sucked <laughs> in an interview to promote the series. But uh, hopefully, uh, you know, he's, he kept saying, well, this is a starting point. This is a starting point. So I'm, I'm hoping that this is a starting point and maybe it'll get a little better. But, you know, you look at TBS, okay, they got the two Tyler Perry things. They got Ice Cube. They got uh, George Lopez and his late night show, which is moving uh, to midnight. Uh, you know, there is more diversity on TBS right now than just about uh, any cable channel. And, um, and, and they're doing it uh, very quietly. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how this works out. It will be. Without further ado, I give you Eric Dagens and Ice Cube. Cube. Yeah. How you doing, man? All right. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Thanks a lot for making time to talk. I really appreciate it. Good. No problem. So um, the first thing I wanted to ask you is uh, it seems like you're, you're trying to be the new Tyler Perry here. You, you your, uh, <laughs> what? <It's> crazy. <laughs> you got, your, you got your, your comedy series coming on TVS, <laughs> you know, centered uh, <laughs> on a black family, you know? Um, nah. Are you seeing his success and saying, you know, maybe you can get a piece of that? or? No, nah, no, nah, I was uh, successful before Tyler Perry, okay. but I, d- I definitely give him credit for pioneering this kind of a uh, new deal structure, you know, with with TBS. Uh, I think it, it made it much easier for us to come behind with a show and have them, you know, uh, receptive to, to our version of what that is. Uh, and, you know, they, they've been very receptive. They know the formula. They know how to do this. They know how to promote it. It's the perfect place uh, right now for any black uh, show, sitcom. Uh, but you got to kind of have your team together. Uh, you got to kind of, you know, really, really go into it knowing that uh, they'll give you the room, but you got to pull it off, you right. know. So right. here we are. So, I mean, are you surprised that uh, TBS is becoming the home for this stuff? I mean, wouldn't you expect that? BET or TV One or some you know channel that's dedicated to black programming would be where we'd see you and Tyler Perry and folks like yourself 
uh, take up residence? No, I'm not surprised. I mean, TBS, uh, the Turner Networks are perfect place uh, for something like this. You know, we can't just be kind of stuck in one on one network anyway. So, you know, we want to spread the love too. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think we got to show that that'll get over uh, great with the TBS crowd, uh, especially you know in the slot that they got us, which is. Uh, you know, in between Tyler's shows, which is good for us to uh, to keep the audience right there. And, you know, to me, it's just it's just the perfect place for something like this. Um, I'm glad we I'm glad we're here. I mean, I got to say, I, you every time you come up with a new move, it seems like something that people would not expect from you. I mean, nobody would expect that the guy who came up with the song, F- the police, would be a, a a kid's movie star in Are We There Yet? And then you take that and turn it into a, a family comedy. I mean, is it about that? Is it about keeping people guessing? Well, you know, I don't think. I mean, I've been I've been dedicated to me to to show people you can't judge a book by its cover. You know, no way, no how. So, in some ways, you know, I uh, I don't mind that. You know. I love to keep people guessing because I don't want to be predictable. I think you get boring. People kind of turn off uh, uh, what you what you uh, you know trying to do in entertainment or whatever. So me, I just try to make smart moves. I try to do things I think people want to want to see and be a part of. You know, I, I stay out the limelight until I got a project that's worth you know showing to the public. And I think people appreciate that part too, you know that uh, ain't always in your face, right. and, and that uh, you know, I, I, I think you know people kind of look forward to to what I'm gonna do next, which is cool. Well, and and what really strikes me too is that when you was in NWA, you it seemed like you were about kicking over the system. You were you were about almost destroying the system, and and now it seems like you figured out a way to work the system. So, I mean, was there a point when you sort of realized that you could find more success in working the system than than busting it up? Well, I think, you know, change is good. You know, I, I don't know if, if anybody really wants to bust up the system. We just want a fair system, you know, just change the system. I think we've done that uh, with, our, with our music. You know, we, in some ways made the people look at the police just with different eyes, you know, scrutinize them a little more. You know, now you have the police are questioned and evaluated just as much as the suspects they bring in. So I think that's a change. Um, In Hollywood, you know, just changing the game, saying, look, you don't have to always be wait, be an actor waiting to, for somebody to hire you. Go write you a movie. You know, put it together uh, with, with movies like Friday. So, you know, you could change the game in a lot of different ways. You could change it from the outside or you could change it from the inside. So, I, you know, I choose to change it from the inside because I think it's more productive and I think people... Uh, uh, just I'm more receptive to that kind of change. So when when did you realize that? When when did you when did that understanding come to you? And how did it, how did it come to you? 
Uh, I mean, it came to me the first time I did a movie, Boys in the Hood. Yeah, I always figured that I didn't want to be on the outside of this camera, you know, without being on the inside, too. So I wanted to always be on both sides of the camera and change the game, hopefully inspire other youngsters who come out the same situation that I'm in to try to put their movies together, pick up a camera, you know, be proactive with it. So is it about controlling your image, about controlling the, the what you put out there? No, I'm not I'm not trying to control the image or nothing like that. I'm just trying to do good work. You know, whether I'm doing a record or a movie, I just want it to be quality, worth people's time and money. Well, now, you know, there are going to be people who will look at this sitcom that you've created and say um, that it's that it's too simple, that, um, you know, that these characters aren't dimensional enough or that it's not sophisticated enough and that uh, folks have gotten used to seeing black people in comedies like this. Uh, what would what would you say to folks who would say, you know, Maybe this should be more sophisticated. Maybe the maybe maybe this is a little too simple for black folks in 2010. Well, you know the thing is, is every sitcom needs a runway and needs a needs a, a place to launch from. You know, you got to get to know these characters and get to know who they are before you can get into all these complex issues and things that this you know in success all we there yet will get to. So. You know, my thing is enjoy the comedy and uh, you you got you to kind of get these things room to, to, to grow and, and kind of find their find they legs. You know, they, they sitcoms, so <laughs> they got to they kind of find their they way, find their niche, and then you run with that. So, you know, we, we, uh, we understand people are going to look at that and say, okay, this is not the sophisticated uh, uh, comedies that I guess you know some people are pushing out there, but this is still going for a different kind of of uh, flavor. You know, we ain't trying to be a, a Seinfeld kind of <laughs> thing. You know, we're trying to have a family comedy right here. So you know, it's going it's going to take us a minute to to get as great as we're going to be too. So think about the ice cube that you were when NWA was really hitting. If that ice cube could see the ice cube of today, what, what would he think about him? How do I get there? <laughs> How do I get there? What would you tell him? Keep paying attention. Keep paying attention. You know, the thing is, is a lot of people got an image in their head of me that... That's some shit that was done kind of like in the 80s when I was 18, 19 years old. 40 years old now. Can't expect the same guy from then to be standing right now. And if it was, something would be wrong with me. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Q, man. I really appreciate it. All right. All right. Good luck. Excellent interview. 
Well, thank you very much. I'm glad it was I, you doing could you, it. Could you me. just could you see me? Could you hear me tap dancing? You know, I'm yeah. like <laughs> I'm like trying. So you know, when you do these interviews, these guys are like sitting in a meeting room somewhere and they're taking questions for like hours. So you know, it becomes you know, you, you almost try to challenge them. I figured if I compared him to Tyler Perry, maybe he'd get pissed off enough that he might actually say something. But he kind of took it in stride. Yeah, you weren't probably the first person to say it, but still. You could tell you could, you could hear his teeth grind just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. So tell me, what is the what is the enduring legacy then of NWA and Ice Cube? Well, you know, uh, because NWA had that huge record, they proved that uh, gangster rap was a commercial force and that it was really a powerful commercial force. So, you know, we saw a lot of copycats, and of course, we saw Ice Cube. Uh, break off and, and have a solo career where he was doing that kind of stuff on his own. And really, uh, it helped kick off this wave of gangster rap that kind of took over the rap industry. And really, uh, for a long time, you didn't have rappers singing about going to parties or hanging out at the club that much anymore. It was all about drug dealing and getting shot. And I mean, Snoop Dogg, you know, it back, you know, Dr. Dre. I mean, you know, I, I, I forgive me for even forgetting to mention that Dr. Dre was in uh, NWA, but, you know, one of the most prolific and uh, successful rap producers, you know, Dr. Dre breaks off. And develops his own career, puts out one of the most amazing um, rap records of the 90s, uh, The Chronic, and then finds this young talent, Snoop Dogg, and starts his career off. And, and, and Snoop Dogg has one of the most amazing careers in rap, too. Another rapper who is much smarter and more talented than people give him credit for. Uh, so, you know, N.W.A. is sort of like the 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 the. Uh, Adam and Eve, you know, it's the root of all of this stuff. And I know some people kind of feel like maybe it stunted the growth of R&B and it stunted the growth of rap because you had, you know, socially conscious rappers like you had Tribe Called Quest and you had um, Q-Tip and you had uh, you, you had a lot of rappers who wanted to talk about things other than getting laid and, and making money and selling drugs and hating the police. And they couldn't get much oxygen. You know, they couldn't get much attention, uh, particularly during the 90s and the early 2000s. And, and now, you know, I think maybe that's opening up a little bit more and people want to have more fun and, and they realize how harmful some of this gangster rap stuff is. So it's opening up a little bit. But, you know, without N.W.A., we wouldn't have had Dre. We wouldn't have had Snoop Dogg. Probably wouldn't have had Jay-Z um, or 50 Cent. So, uh, you know, we get we got to thank those guys for a lot of great music. Here's a here's an interesting question. We're getting close to the period of time where NWA will be eligible for induction to the Rock Hall of Fame. Yeah. Is there any chance that that's going to happen? I, you know, I... And should it happen? Well, you know, I think it would be great. Uh, and I, the only thing... Well, the... the um, um, uh, Grandmaster Flash, they're already in, right? They're in. Okay, so Run DMC so is the, in. The, yeah, and Run DMC. Okay, so I was gonna say, like, the only thing I was wondering is, would the Rock Hall want the first rap act to be NWA? But since there's already two in, uh, I think it's very possible. I mean, it sounds like something that the Rock Hall would be interested in doing because it's kind of subversive, you know. And Ice Cube and Dre, especially. I mean, these guys are mainstream enough now. Uh, that you know they would have no problem hanging out with uh, you know Aerosmith or or um, uh, Bon Jovi or whomever. So um, I, I think it would be great. I think it, it would be a wonderful idea. Uh, there may be some people who don't want to honor 
the more negative aspects of, of what they were talking about, and that might be the fight. But it's been so long since they uh, were an active group uh, that I think, uh, I mean, again, you know, they're the root of gangster rap, which was like, which is like the backbone of popular black music for the last, you know, 15, 20 years. So, um, you know, uh, to me, it's a no brainer. Eric Dagens, it's always, it's an honor to have you here on Stuck in the No, 80s. man, it's my honor, and I'm so happy to be here, and, uh, you know, we made it through without Ice Cube wanting to kick my butt, which is, like, amazing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to read more of Eric's views, uh, you can read his blog. It's called The Feed, and it's at uh, blogs.tampabay.com slash media. That's right. Now my, uh, my, our good friend Sean Daly's at the door. He wants to bring a little, inject a little humor into it. I, so, I hear him. I hear him. Of course you can. I hear him knocking on the door. Hear him. Can he's, you hear that? Can you hear the Funyuns from here? <laughs> Spearsy, my good man. What am I, a clown to you? I can't be here for like the serious part of the show? And you bring me in for like the antics? Ha <laughs> ha, do your skit, Sean. Clown <laughs> boy. monkey boy. <laughs> Wait, you, you know what, Steve? You know, I'm on the lecture circuit. You know I do. I do some lecturing. I do. I talk to the kids. <sighs> Come on, don't do that. You're happy to see me here. When I walked in the studio, you lit up like a pinball machine, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm on the lecture circuit, and I often get asked by the kids, um, Mr. Daly, they call me Mr. Daly, what's one of your favorite interviews? And I told you this story before, too. Yeah. And it's Ice Cube. I interviewed Ice Cube about five or six years ago when I was the music critic for the Washington Post. Um, and Cube was promoting Are We There Yet? His family film. Oh, yeah, I remember So that. I have to see the movie one night, and then the next morning I'm going to meet Ice Cube, okay? Now I go to see the movie, and it's not good. I mean, basically, at one point, Ice Cube, who used to be you know, the incendiary mouthpiece of NWA, this like ultra-testosterone, he keeps getting hit in the balls a lot, and this is his family film. At one point, they go out of their way to have them hit in the balls by a giant Paul Bunyan statue, and Paul Bunyan's axe hits him right in the crotch. And so I'm like, Jesus, what am I going to do? I loved NWA. I got to go and interview Ice Cube. Right? You with me, Steve? I'm here. And I got to say, I can't, you know, he's got to ask me, what'd you think about the movie? He's, he, they don't ask that, do they? No, because he, I, 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 at one point, in the, anyway, I'm going to have, so anyway, I get up next morning, Ice Cube is at the penthouse suite of um, the, the Ritz-Carlton, I believe, or the Four Seasons in uh, Washington, D.C., and I meet his publicist, I'm nervous as hell, because it's Ice Cube, even though he got hit in the balls a lot in this kid's <laughs> movie, he's still Ice Cube, right? Yeah. The, one of the most intimidating figures in popular music. The things he said in songs like Black Korea and, and, and F*** the Police and No Vaseline. Don't forget that bleep, Steve. Don't forget that one. So I meet his publicist. I'm nervous. I'm like, man, you know. And we're riding up in the elevator together, and I realize I don't know what to call him. Do I call him Ice? Do I call him Cube? Do I call him O'Shea Jackson, his real name, you know? And I, and I think, all right, Ice. And we're going up there, and the door's about to open. I finally ask his assistant, what do I call him, Ice? And she's like, no! <laughs> call him Cube. It opens, and he's sitting there with a cigar. Ice Cube. He's kind of a little guy, but really well manicured, like a good-looking dude, but stocky, you know? But uh, not too different from when he was in Boys in the Hood and stuff. And anyway, Ice Cube and I, we wind up talking for like an hour. An hour. And it's like one of the greatest interviews ever, because even though he's trying to sell this family film... And it sounds like he's still trying to do that. He didn't apologize for anything. 
anything from his past. Because he said to me, I wouldn't want fans to think that's not what I meant at the time. At the time, I was 18 or 19, you know, straight out of Compton. I meant everything I said. And so even though now he's trying to bring fr- families into it, he still wouldn't apologize. And I thought that showed a lot of character and integrity, you know. And he, he was just great. It was really, really good. And he didn't ask me what I thought about, are we there yet? But at one point, I joked about him, like, Ice Cube, you get hit in the balls a lot, you know. And I think he said, ah, the kids love that. And he was right. The kids were laughing like crazy. But it was funny. I just had a baby. Uh, a newborn baby, uh, and uh, moved to the suburbs. And Ice Cube, you know, uh, a city guy, had just had a family. Now he was in the suburbs, too. And so I'm not equating myself to uh, to Cube. Probably really shouldn't. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, it, it turned out to be one of my favorite interviews ever, and I'm glad Eric got a chance to talk to him, and I'm glad that Stuck in the 80s uh, Nation got a chance to hear him, too. He's really a fascinating dude. But, man, I mean, what he was on the FBI's most wanted list... Well, not most one, I shouldn't say that, but he was only, I mean, they were watching him because he would say anything. I mean, it was hardcore. You went from public enemy to NWA, and it was like, you know, it, they made uh, public enemy look like the chipmunks, you know, because then it was getting real. People were getting shot. They were dropping F-bombs. They were shooting the police. I mean, it was, uh, it was wild stuff. So anyway, I like, uh, that's my Ice Cube story. That's what I tell on my lecture circuit. Don't you want to come and see me now? No. Uh, that's not true. I've heard every one of your stories like three or four times. That's- Shut up, Spears. You have not. <laughs> anyway, there you go. That's one of my favorites, though. Thank you. But, Thank you. But people can't get it, though, because they can't get you doing the um, the Cube impression with the cigar. You, you got to understand, Sean, like, <laughs> squats down like some sort of Indian idol. You shall not pass. Um, and, uh, I did. You can't get the inflection. But it was great. He was grinning at me like, I'm going to beat the living <laughs> shit out of you. I was terrified. Cube, it's me. Your boy, Sean. Anyway, so there you go. So I'm really glad you got that. Great interview. Another great interview on uh, Stuck in the 80s. Yeah. So we have, uh, we have a letter today from our uh, good friend, Captain Pittsburgh, who over the, 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 the latter uh, parts, the last few episodes, he's really become uh, a strong fan of the show. He's a new bass note. Is it, wow, bass note out. <laughs> it's I, like an, I just said that. Entertainment Weekly, what is it, like in, out, out. F- five minutes ago? It's like Captain Pittsburgh in, in. out, bass note, five minutes ago. You say it. <laughs> Go ahead, say it. Drop the bomb on someone. Sweet Lou. No, I'm just kidding. No, we love Sweet Lou. That. Sweet Lou works down in downtown St. Pete now. I was just teasing. He's our boy. Anyway, let me read this letter, okay? It's a really nice, uh, tender letter. <clears throat> From Captain Pittsburgh. Hey, guys. Love the Moms of the 80s podcast. I lost my mother two years ago to cancer at the age of 55. You guys had me beaming ear to ear today. I think I've told you this before, but my mom went to high school with Michael Keaton back when he was Michael Douglas. He was a year ahead of her, but they were buddies. Just that connection made me very, very happy today. Some of my fondest memories with my mom are sitting with her and watching movies, especially Mr. Mom, and she would tell me about Michael. It made me feel like I was connected. I did meet him once in the late 80s when he was back in town for a celebrity hockey game, and he came to see my mom while she was still waitressing at a local diner. He sat down next to me and told me about my mom in school, just a genuine, down-to-earth, good human. Michael Keaton, there you go. It's nice, isn't it? We should do a podcast on him. I just wanted to let you know that you made me smile thinking of uh, my mom with this podcast. Thanks again. And you know I'll be here waiting for the next show, eating corn dogs firmly stuck in the 80s, Captain Pittsburgh. Very nice. That's cool. I feel bad because last episode I kind of chastised the uh, 
the fandom for not sending enough emails in. And was there a tsunami of uh, missives sent to Stuck in the 80s? No, just people saying F you <laughs> and daily. What? That's not so funny now. Why did I laugh? <laughs> you tricked me. F you and daily. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, well, we do need more letters. Tell us a story. Spin us a yarn. <laughs> Spin us a yarn. Come on. Have a couple drinks. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> loosen what, up. What weirdness is going down out there uh, as you listen to Stuck in the 80s? Over the last few shows, we've had people who have lost their virginity to Stuck in the 80s, yes. who have uh, delivered babies to Stuck in the 80s, mm-hmm. who have made babies to Stuck in the 80s. We don't know if they made babies, did I they? they? I thought people were like, they boinked. Oh, I thought somebody They've was just conceived. been practiced for making a baby. Was someone not conceived and stuck in the 80s? Tell us. Write us a letter. I'm convinced that people listen to us when they're probably in the shower. You also said the other day <laughs> oh, don't, that don't. you were convinced that people listen to us when they're on the toilet. <laughs> well, you know what? We are infiltrating no, the no, households me, of the world. No, let me ask you and this. And so chances are good that we're on somebody's, like, you know, uh, eye dock. Is that what they call them? The eye doc, and they're listening to the show, and someone is conceivably on the toilet, having a movement, <laughs> listening to you talk about God knows what. Ever since you said that, all I can see in my head is an image of you, the Ew, cigar, don't. with your little earbuds, <laughs> holding an iPod, you know, after a trip to get some chicken vindaloo. <laughs> Sitting uh, on, the, on the toilet? Listening to our show. Not the Michael I, Keaton one. Well, you, you know that's not true because I don't actually listen, listen to, to our show. show. That's good but if I did, I'd be happy to listen to it while I was sitting on the toilet. I couldn't do that. I'm not... Oh, <laughs> I can't believe we're talking about this. <laughs> but I really stay on the toilet for a long time. You do? I don't. You shouldn't. It's not good for you. I know. But, you know, I'm kind of like done like a, like a minute, minute and a half. Okay. So then, Oh, you totally like read like yes, eight that's chapters not true. of Moby Dick. You don't know, you don't know what I toi- do in the toilet. Dude, I've seen the candle in your bathroom. You're spending a lot of time there. You need like eight wicks. That's for romance. It, in your toilet? What no, are you no, doing in there? The candle's in there for like if I have a lady friend, we're taking a shower together. Why are you taking so many showers, too? Showers are romantic. Really? How many showers do you take a day, OCD? Uh, two. Bull crap. Well, if there's a lady, three. Stop saying lady. Who are you, Tom <laughs> Jones? <laughs> lady love. <laughs> you don't. You don't like to take a shower with the, with the lady. My lady. My lady like a mask rub down. You have the hover move. I have the shower move. I like I like to I like to set the water warm. I like to turn the lights out, light a candle, you know, have some uh, some rub a dub time. <laughs> really? In the lair? I, I guarantee you. Do, you. do you do it in the shower? I have. I find it very hard to concentrate. It's not easy. <laughs> give me there's that. A lot, I, there's just a lot too of much slipping. going on. Yeah. I feel like I need to like secure myself. I can't really concentrate in the in, shower. In my ideal in the ideal world, I would I would install like astroturf. Along the bottom of the yeah, uh, so, that, so that you can get a good let's, grip. Yeah, let's invent that. Yeah, and then some like um, so yeah. I can finally make sweet love in the shower. Some handles to hold on to. Wouldn't that be good too? Maybe oh, a so- bench. <laughs> so you can sit down when you're out of breath. Yeah. Woo. Woo. Spearsy. Whoa, lady. Let me tell you, Spearsy needs a break. Yeah. I'm sucking wind here, lady. <laughs> I want a couple different uh, faucets, spraying water, different. Directions. I have that. You do? I have that in my guest. Yeah, in my guest bathroom. I haven't been in your guest bathroom. Yeah, have you seen it before? It's epic. Is it? You can fit like eight spears in there. <laughs> well, like multiple six anyway. 
Okay. Tell tell the people where they can send their letters about taking a shower, uh, having bathroom time while listening to Stuck in the Eighties. <laughs> no, I know I'm not the only one out there who does the shower move. But uh, and prove me right. Email me at stuckintheeighties at tampabay.com. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, uh, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for mystery movie moment. We will play a segment of a movie from the eighties if you get it right. Um, Stephanie Hayes will come back upstairs and sign more band stickers. Did she sign any? Be honest. No. <laughs> but she, she wants come. to, though. She does. She has a great idea for a show. Yeah. She wants to do child actors of the 80s. And you Best had a similar show. You wanted to do child porn of the 80s. <laughs> oh, no, you know why? Why do you always got to do That's a horrible thing to say. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's terrible. You didn't see it coming, though, did God. you? Oh, no. Great. No, I didn't see it coming. <laughs> Pay attention. Here was last week's mystery clip. Drogo, uh, nouveau, te nouveau, zirki. That's Enemy Mine with Dennis Quaid. Is it? Give me a little give me a little Enemy Mine. That's it? <laughs> Come on, give me a quote. <gasps> oh, Ooh. what's wrong, Stumpy Joe? Did I stump ya? You take what you say back about Mickey Mouse. Uh, that's pretty there good. Go. That, Louis Gossett Jr. He could have been Luke Gossett Jr. Uh, on he, the mom's list. Yeah, he was right. on he my mom's list. He has a baby. He has a baby. Does he have a baby with Dennis Quaid? No. No, but Dennis Quaid becomes uncle. Yeah. So uh, Lou Gossett, the alien, has a baby, but he... He's asexual. He's asexual. Kind of like you. <laughs> wow, lately you've just like been machine-gunning me lately. Here I am respecting you You would the art form. You were thinking it. I you was. I was, about to, like, I was about to napalm you. Sorry. Sometimes Spearsy is a little faster. So salty. Name the winners. Yes, only three winners. Really? Only three for Enemy Mine? I think there might have been some more. I'm sorry. Are you people even listening anymore? Hello. (laughs) This week's listeners include Chris from St. Louis, Joey Belanger of Texas, and the great Walter Coxie Cox. Here's my thing. I don't even think any of those guys are are, are friends with me on Facebook. Are they on the uh, Stuck in the 80s Facebook page? That's a good question. You know, Facebook, our Facebook fan page now has over 3,000 That's amazing. We just went over 3,000. Yeah. How many do you have personally? 700. Yeah, I have about 1,500. <sighs> it's always a competition. No, it's. It? A, what am I supposed to say? Lie and say, oh, Steve, I have 700 too. I, I might have a little bit more. Dude, I do TV. I do TV, I baby. I'm on the lecture circuit. How many times but I have know you how gone many... out this weekend and you've been recognized in public? At least twice. You mofo. You, we were at lunch the other day and I got recognized. And I just let it go. The, wa- the waitress came over and said, Ooh, are you Sean? I was starstruck. And I didn't say anything about yeah, it. Yeah, you were I? nice about it. You were nice about it. You know, and you oh, as we leave, As we leave, she taps me on the shoulder. <laughs> this is great. And she's, oh, I didn't mean to ignore you. <laughs> great. Yeah, and you're like, oh, I'm used to it. Oh, you e-order. Would you want to bang her, too? <laughs> Jesus. Let's take a shower with that lady. With the lady. Don't worry about it, lady. I'll I've be got back. a candle. But I didn't Don't... even make a big deal about it. I'm like, oh, thanks. I said something like, oh, I feel like I should perform. You're always performing. But see, I did get recognized. Yeah. It's like a dagger in your it's heart. It's not too. a dagger in my heart. You're the face of the times. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. Uh, well, where I work, we have only one editorial rule. You can't write anything longer than the average person can read during the average crap. <laughs> <laughs> if you know it, email us at stuckinthees.tempe.com and then tune in next week to find out if you're a wiener. Ah, the mystical refrain that is named that 80s tune. We will play a snippet of a song from the 80s and... Uh, 
According to Sean, no one listens, so nothing's going to happen, right? I'm down. There's no letters. I'm down. I want some love. I want some love. You want 2,000 Facebook fans. <laughs> Why are you so bitter? I'm not bitter. All right. Calling it as I see it. Last week's clip was... That's Method of Modern Love by Hollow Notes. You know, that's the only crappy song on Big Bam Boom. I love that album. You should play Bank on Your Love. I don't really like Big Bam Boom. What? Dance on Your Knees, baby? Dance on Your Knees? Oh, come on, that's the instrumental. It's like, oh, it's great. Uh, out of touch? You don't like Out of Touch? Yeah. Are, uh, some Things Are Better Left Unsaid. I think that's on there. I don't like that song much either. What? I was more early 80s Hall Notes fan. Oh, you're so you're such a what's so weird about that oh i'm such a dope no, because you're like oh early 80s. i'm not being like, contrarian you know what's ha- you know, yeah you are you're always a contrarian you know what you've done now is that um you've taken the late la- latter half of the 80s and made them somehow villainous they are where you only want to reside in like 1983 yes. <laughs> well, 1982 we had tons of winners this week steve start naming them we have tons this is great uh, Kevin Wench, Karen in Boston, Andy Winkle, Red Letter Boxer, Simon Colner, Rock Fields, Oswaldo Jimenez, Alex Cardoso Solis, Peter Ryan in Montreal, The Chainlift in Winter Park, Florida, Tommy Doucette in L.A., Adam Wenzel, Dr. Stephen J. Incognito, Tony in Indianapolis, Daryl Lanier of Jacksonville, Florida, Sweet Lou Greeley of St. Pete, Julie Haukin. Zem Zen Kimchi in Korea, and he's in our uh, he's in our thoughts. Thaddeus in currently underwater Nashville, Tennessee. Ouch! Yeah. I know we're thinking about you, Thaddeus. That's terrible. What's going on there? A lot of um, country western history. Have you been to Nashville? Have you spent much time there? I have never been. I'd really? love to go. In fact, they were thinking the papers thinking of sending me and writing about this. I've been there. Um, my first wife was from was from Tennessee. And we would fly into the Nashville airport. We would spend some time there, like before or after our, our trip. So I, I'm always curious when you fly in, like in Vegas, when you fly into the airport, it's like, all right, we're going to hit you with the stere- stereotypes. Ding, 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 ding. When you fly into Nashville and you get off the plane, it's like, ding, 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 not, not that bad, it's, but it's welcome to Music City. Like, yeah. Everywhere, everywhere. I just, it's not a bad airport, but it's a town. Yeah. I, I've, had, I've had better trips. Really? You're just bitter about the whole first wife I'm thing. I'm not bitter about her. But you I'm never a- talk about her. Rightfully so. Ah, oh, you, you're such a mean bastard. No, it's just no good stories. So look long at you, ago. Look at you, you, so long ago. I mean, it's, I mean that it's was like, like Steamboat like, Spears. Your life was in black and white. Ding, 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 he had a mustache ding, back ding, then. Ding, ding, ding. Really? <laughs> it was a long time ago. I was like my mid-20s. God dang. That's nuts. I still I'm still haven't been married. Don't look for her. She's not a friend of mine on Facebook either. She uh we're incommunicado. That's uh, just as well. Yeah, so be it. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it, email us at stuck in the eighties at tempe.com because Sean Daly came all the way upstairs today for one last chance to call you a wiener. TM 
That was the best yeah, job we ever I went, did. I went really high on that. I know. One. I, I felt it. I, I, <laughs> I did it too. I went really. really I feel really high good on about that. that. Please, please tell me now. This is. Uh, Let's the, just do shows. Let's forget about content. Forget we, about Peter. We forgot about content a long time ago. Let's, you know, content is from. <laughs> Let's just do seggies. Let's just give them seggies every week. Well, you know what? Thousands of people in 80s Nation are like, yeah, seggies, seggies. Uh, maybe you're right. Maybe like in order for dessert to taste good, you got to eat some broccoli first. Is that what you're saying our show is? <laughs> it's fiber. Okay. This week's PPTMN <clears throat> is from Gary and Gilroy, the great Gary and Gilroy. Dear Steve and Sean. I recently listened to your horrible hits of 1987 podcast. You both commented on how you were not interested in seeing Bon Jovi's current tour. Boy, he says a lot politely than we do. F Bon Jovi. <laughs> I think that was what we said. You've noted that he's gone to country and his audience is overrun with too many drunk cougars. You know, I'm going to say that <laughs> mm. I probably never complained about an audience having too many drunk cougars. That sounds like a fun time to me. Sounds like a Rick Springfield concert to I me. I know. Yeah. I've never seen John and the Boys live. While I still rock to his 80s material, I have no interest in seeing him on tour. I wish I could have seen him circa 1987 on the Slippery When Wet tour. This got me to thinking. Gentlemen, please, please tell me now. I love, I got chills when Gary and Gilroy did that. Gentlemen, please, please tell me now. What band tour from the 80s do you wish you could have seen? I'm looking for a single band slash performer on a specific tour outing. For example, Journey's Escape Tour or Madonna's Like a Virgin Tour or maybe David Bowie's Glass Spider Tour. For the purpose of my PPTMN, I don't count special events or festivals like multi-band Day on the Greens or the US Festival or Live Aid. Steve and Sean, please, please tell me now. Mm. Gary and Gilroy. That's a good one. You know what? My answer is obvious. It was immediate. It's a little bit cliche, but I'm going to go with it anyway because it popped immediately into my head. It was, it's, I'd, I wish I could have seen Van Halen's 1984 Tour. Was that the last tour with with um, the original lineup? DLR, yeah. I want to say because um, I'd love to see Dave do the splits, do the high like the Flying Eagle split off the drum riser, and just Eddie being as fast as possible and so nimble, and everybody being in perfect voice, and you know uh, Alex hitting the toms. And I wish I could a shirt with the little the smoking uh, cherub on there. I just think it would have been really fun. I'm pretty sure I would have gotten laid at that concert too. How? No, I was. You've I'm never so gotten so... laid because of a concert. <laughs> Nobody ever oh, has. Oh, contraire, mon friend. I'm a music critic. Oh wait, I've been with the same woman for 17 <laughs> yeah. years. How about you? Uh, I was at the Journey Escape tour, so that's kind of cool. I got one of the ones off the list. What uh, year was that? Eighty two. Yeah, good one. Eighty one, eighty two, something Scratch like that. Scratch it off the list, Steve. Was Let's... it amazing? Oh yeah. But keep in mind, it was also my first concert. So, did you drink? Was that, that wasn't a fun no, bag? Was like was it? thirteen years old. First got whiskey bags. No, that was a Sting concert. You the were rum in, bags. You the were thirteen. In yeah. eighty two, you were like fourteen. Yeah, yeah. I, I had to have my dad drove. All me of a sudden, to it. we're getting closer in age. You're like three years older than I am. <laughs> yeah, my my dad drove me to it. It was over in Lakeland yeah. Civic Center. Um, Journey has this DVD out now, live in Houston on the Escape Tour that was filmed like a week after yeah, the show. I saw it. It's a great. That's a great album. 
Um, let's see. So let's. I can't pick that one. Um, yeah, I, I, I've gone this way. I've I've said this before, and I have to say it again. Duran Duran, Seven and the Ragged Tiger tour, right? Because if they were at the height of their power, um, still the original lineup. A lot of hot chicks at that. Oh show. my god, my girlfriend would have would have been there with me. Who was your girlfriend at the time? Elisa. But she smoked, so she was like, Ooh. she was like, you would have loved oh, Elisa. Yeah, she smoked, drank, drank. <laughs> she was yeah. uh, sexually uh, provocative, provocative, open, yes, yes. experimental, exactly. Um, Elisa looked I great in concert jerseys. She worked with me at the supermarket, public supermarket. She have high hair, big hair, great hair. She had light blue eyeshadow. Let me ask you a question, Spearsy. Yeah, you're you're born and raised in uh, in Florida. In the 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 Northeast, you know, presumably uh, Jersey stuff like that. In the eighties, we all had you know big hair up there. Did that was the hair still huge? Was that an eighties thing? Was it still really big in Florida as well? I don't think so. I mean, we sort of perfected the suburban dirtball look like, that you like to talk yeah, about. I yeah. mean, flat straight hair. You know, long straight hair. Mulletish. It's very humid down here. It it's, is. It's hard. Humid. It's hard to have high hair. It can be done, but uh, you better stay inside. That's interesting. Yeah. See, I'm glad I asked that question. The nah. humidity cut into your enjoyment of the '80s a little. A bit. little bit. A lot of mullets in the '80s. Yeah. There's a lot of mullets now. <laughs> Still, <down there>. yeah. <laughs> you go around Pinellas County where we live, and um, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's weird. This place is stuck in time. Spinalia. Spinalia, they call it. Anyway, uh, thank you, Gary and Gilroy. That's a really good PPTMN. We love this segment. Uh, we got a lot of uh, people saying they love it, too. So, Steve, where can other people ask us um, a PPTMN question? As always, just email us at stuckinthe80s.com, but put PPTMN in the subject line. I'm expressing with my full capabilities, and now I'm living in correctional facilities. Hey gentlemen, this is Captain Pittsburgh, and I was just re-listening to the uh, Richard Marks uh, podcast, dare I say, the classic. And I wanted to uh, leave you a wiener, uh, so uh, be ready for this. Wiener! I'm not so sure NWA really likes the idea of Captain Pittsburgh saying wiener. Over and over again, over the top of their music. Yeah, if Easy E was still alive, he would beat the living tar out of Pittsburgh. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> he didn't know. He didn't know what show it was when we were we um, sent to the fan greeting. Yes. Yeah, so, Steve, before we bid adieu, it's been an interesting show today, but I like it. I like the way you built this one, my friend. Thanks yeah. for inviting me. Thanks the for House having me. Come in, House of Cards. <laughs> um, you have. We have one more thing to talk about, and it's it's building up a lot of steam. It's our Vegas trip. It's our Vegas trip. Um, what are the dates on that? August 14th is the actual show in Vegas. It's a Saturday night. It's at Mandalay Bay. It's at the beach area of Mandalay Bay, so it's an outdoor show. Eight bands, one night. Some of the bands are Flock of Seagulls, Jeannie Loves Jezebel, Drama Rama, Real Life. It's going to be a great show. Every band's going to only come out there and play like three songs. They're just going to roll through their hits. So like in a four-hour show, $35 for a ticket. Cheap. Hotel rooms, the hotel. Oh my dirt god, dirt cheap. You know why? Because Vegas is deadly that time yeah. of the year. But you, not you're not bad. going outside. You know what? It's, it really is the dry heat. I don't sweat that much in Vegas. I'm curious to see if you'll sweat that. No, much I, in Vegas. I was. There, I've been. I was there two years ago in it's August. So bakingly hot. Yeah. You go outside. And it's like zzz, like you're just like I need water. Yeah, I mean you're constantly sucking down water. Yeah. But um, 
I think what's going to happen is I'm going to get a suite at Mandalay Bay sweet. so we have a gathering spot. Yeah. A gathering. And that's where you're going to sleep? Yeah. Too? Probably. That's <laughs> right. Ah, you frisky know. little devil! No, no, we don't no. want to get. We don't make any false promises. Yeah, but uh, I Mistakes have heard have made before. I so. have heard some of the possible guest list, and it's there's some names on there that uh, Stuckney's listeners um, would be shocked to find out about. My name's not on there yet. Not but, quite sure what I'm going to do. But you're starting to come around to it, aren't you? You told me somebody today who might be going, and I'm like, oh, she'd be really fun to hang out with out there. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I didn't mean it in a sorted way. but I, I didn't I meant, mean it in a sorted way when I referenced it. Now here, if people come to our Facebook page, there's talk about is there chatter about it yeah, on there? Yeah, or email me and put Vegas in the subject line, and I'll, I'll fill you in. Uh, I'm trying to get Martha Quinn to come. Oh my! I don't know that she will, oh. but she but well, she, she has. I mean, she has hundreds and thousands of fans who. Yeah, we kind of combine them. Martha's Army, they call it. What did she say to you when you invited her? Did she's like, yeah, sure, Sam, That's Steve, whatever. <laughs> no, we talk. We talk. I'll be there. We Facebook like once a week. We talk. We're in touch. Do you really? I yeah. sent. I sent a message once, and it was like it's still pirouetting in cyberspace. Really? No. I think. I don't rate. I don't rate as a Martha friend. It was just her birthday yesterday. How old? Fifty-one. Really? Yep. God, she is pixie-ish still. Yeah, Dude. so so if she you could be up the... with Martha Quinn, I would probably be like equal parts um envying and 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 and, and rageful uh jealousy, but also complimentary. Yeah. <laughs> I could be I get a pat on the back and I'd stab you. Just want to give her a hug. To have that in your arsenal, like I hooked up with Quinn, I could never hang out with you again because you bring it up all the time. You'd actually get a tattoo on your forehead that said, I slept with Martha Quinn. Yeah, that's going to (laughs) happen. But seriously, consider this trip. I mean, the last time we did it, it was a lot of fun. Vegas is a perfect town because you can stay anywhere you want and you're still within like a mile of where the rest of us would be. I mean, you know, you don't need to drive. We're no not providing to... anything, though, right? No, well, hopefully we'll get a meet and greet with some of the bands. But no, there's nothing provided. I mean, if you, if you hit my suite and you, and you swill some of my wild turkey, I'm not going to... I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go daily on you or something like that. <laughs> Why did you? Why'd you do that? We even go daily. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out, won't we? But anyway, I, you know, you just I, I'm back. I'm, just I'm, I'm back and forth. Me. I'm back and forth. No, come say you say no, you'll try. I, 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 you know the whole group thing. I'm very. Oh. I'm an independent. I'm an only child. I go rogue. Do I, do, would sad. I have to do all the activities? Are you that afraid of other people? <laughs> you love other people. People be coming up and like, oh, Sean Daly. No, you'd be like, no, no. It's gonna you'd be, be like, you know, kiss I'm just, my ring. On the mere sidekick, it's gonna be a Spearsy Palooza. No, there. no, I'm the quiet guy. I'm the quiet soft. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, that's have cool. Great showers. I, I love Vegas. At the Mandalay Dude, Bay. Yuck. Bring your candle with I you. I will. Eight wicks. One for each lady. <laughs> God, the TSA is going to go nuts when it. You know, <laughs> sir, you have an ignitable item in your bag. <laughs> it's like, it's just a candle. Magics. You can bring um, candles on. on yeah, I might place. go. I love Las Vegas. I really, really do. I love Las Vegas. I love to gamble. You don't. Uh, but if I, I'm a, I like to sports gamble, and there's the only games in town are. It's going to be uh, baseball. Which I don't mind betting on baseball. It's a little tricky. Maybe some arena football action. No, I'll have preseason <laughs> football, which is just like yeah, throw flip it, a just, coin. Yeah, you why know? don't you just give me your money? You know, maybe I will. Yeah. So anyway, there you go. Okay, so that's all we got for today. Thanks we to pre- Ice Cube, Eric Dagan, Steve Spears, Martha Quinn, Sean Daly, the lady in the shower. <laughs> no, Steve <laughs> Shower Friends. <laughs> We're going to remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Word to the mother, yeah, straight out of Compton, Compton, Compton. Compton.
Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and TampaBay.com. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for providing music for the credits. Read the blog at blogs.tampabay.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. <laughs>